Welcome everyone to today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult. My name is Philip Kingflow, the owner, producer, and host, and I am an autistic adult. Thank you so very much for listening. Today's Autistic Moment is a member of the National Podcast Association. Today's Autistic Moment is always a free-to-listen-to podcast that gives autistic adults access to important information, learns about our barriers, and helps us discover the tools and strengths we need for self-advocacy. This first segment of today's Autistic Moment is sponsored by the Autism Society of Minnesota, Minnesota's first autism resource. The Autism Society of Minnesota has been serving Minnesota's autism community for the past 50 years. Visit them online at AUSM.org. Please go to todaysautisticmoment.com, to the new podcast episodes page, and or the episode index page, to get updates, download shows, program scripts, and interview transcripts. Interview transcripts are sponsored by GT Independence. Also, please follow Today's Autistic Moment on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Be sure to become a member of Today's Autistic Moment community group page on Facebook, where you can meet me, other listeners, exchange conversations, and find program updates, news about subscriptions and bonuses, upcoming shows, and take advantage of special offers. Please help support Today's Autistic Moment by visiting todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash subscribe forward slash. I offer subscriptions for as little as $1 a month to $25 a month with lots of bonuses such as new episodes and the monthly moments newsletter sent directly to you by email, a free stylus and ballpoint pen, and items from the store at discount prices. Make plans now to attend the very first Autistic Voices Roundtable Discussions on October 20th at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Six autistic individuals will talk with each other about person-first and identity-first language. There is no cost to attend, and the event will be streamlined on today's Autistic Moments community group page on Facebook. On the last episode, my guests Leah Bauman-Smith and I talked about dating, romantic relationships, and sexuality for autistic adults. Leah has returned to talk with me about the issue of consent. Like our last episode, Leah and I will be having some candid conversations about sexuality. The topic of consent can be triggering for many who may be traumatized by an experience of if your right to give or rescind consent was not respected. Leah's conversation with me may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Allow me to begin by asking you, my listeners, if you have had any of the following experiences. Have you ever had someone ask you if they can shake your hand or give you a hug while already giving you a hug 
or shaking your hand before you got the chance to say yes or no? Have you ever had someone you don't even know give you a hand pat on the shoulder, or even worse, on your head without asking you? Have you ever gone on a date and someone started touching you without first asking for your consent? Have you ever tried to tell someone that you don't want them to touch you and they ignored you? Have you ever had someone touch a part of your body that you are hypersensitive to, you asked them to stop, and they did not respect your wishes? Have you ever given consent to another person to touch you or a part of your body, then tried to rescind your consent and were told that you gave your consent and cannot take it back at that moment? Have you ever had someone give you a hint that they were giving their consent to you to touch them, and you later learned that they did not give their consent? If you have answered yes to any or all of these questions, or you have others about consent that I did not mention, this is the perfect show for you to listen to. In case any of the questions I have asked caused you some anxiety, you are not alone. This is a show where you are going to hear about what consent is and is not. You will hear about some of the common problems many autistic adults have had with the issue of consent. If you are an autistic adult and your right to give or rescind your consent has not been respected, please know that on this show, we want you to know that you did nothing wrong and you have nothing to be ashamed of. If you are an autistic individual who has mistaken a kind gesture or gift as an invitation to sexual intimacy, please know that we will be talking about that later on, on the program. We will not pass any judgment on you for anything you may or may not have done. We just want to give you some in information and support in whatever situation you may be experiencing. After this first commercial break, Leah will join me as we talk about the issue of consent. Stay tuned. Today's Autistic Moment can be downloaded and heard on Anchor FM, Apple, Google Play, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and TuneIn. Support comes from Minnesota Independence College and Community, a life and career skills program for young adults with autism and learning differences. Help a young adult take a step towards their independence and a vibrant life. Learn more at micommunity.org. 
welcome back. And now, please join me in welcoming Leah Bauman-Smith back to today's Autistic Moment as we discuss Autistic Adults. Let's talk about consent. Leah, thank you for coming back on to another episode of today's Autistic Moment. In the previous episode, we talked about Autistic Adults dating, romantic relationships, and sexuality. And we talked about some many, so many important um, uh, important topics and issues under that one. But then there is this issue that I want to talk about today. Um, and I call it, let's talk about consent. There's a lot of things regarding the issue of consent for autistic adults, things that are not so well understood or, or, or things that are not so clear. And not just for autistic adults, but for any non-autistic adults who may, may be sexually active with an autistic adult. So I think this is a great way to really start talking about these matters. And before I get into my asking you my questions and starting the conversation, I just want to say to my audience that we are talking about some sensitive content here um, that may not be suitable for everybody. Um, and so, of course, you are free to exercise. And it's strongly uh, suggested that you exercise your listener discretion on these matters. Furthermore, if any of my audience, you know, hears something that is said and it, you feel like you've been triggered, of course, you are free to at any point in time. Um, you know, stop listening and come back if you feel free. Uh, the, the episodes will always be available on the episode index page anytime you want to listen in at a later time. So we just want to make sure that we're very clear with that with our listeners. So uh, let's begin. Um, on the matter of consent, what important information do autistic adults and our caregivers need to know about, Leah? Yeah. Oh, there's so much. Um, yeah. So I feel like consent uh, has been kind of a hot topic lately, too. We've been hearing a lot about it, you know, in the news and the world, um, but it isn't um, actually super clear all the time. And so we keep hearing about consent, but there isn't a ton of um, education about what consent is, what it isn't. Uh, and I think the first part that I think is really important and, you know, lots other people might have different uh, priorities, but just thinking about consent as more of a process and not just a one and done type question. I think a lot of times, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, I think that a lot of times we think of it as like a yes or no question. Um, do you want to kiss? Yes or no. And then that's done. You've, you know, successfully accomplished consent, but really consent is an ongoing conversation um, that even just a simple yes or no question involves more of a process. So you have to ask the question, like, you know, step one, do you want, I'll use kissing as an example. Like, do you want to kiss? Yes or no. Then you have to listen to the person's answer. So whether the person you want to kiss says yes or says no, and then you need to respect the answer that they give. And so a lot of times when we talk about consent, um, I have a young, a young child, um, seven, and a lot of times relatives will say things like, oh, can I give you a hug? Like, as they're already hugging her. And I'm like, well, that's not actually consent. Like you are kind of going through the motions 
of um, asking, but you're not actually listening or respecting her answer in that situation. And so I think that um, there ends up being a lot of gray area in consent when it's taught as this very black and white um, uh, topic or very black, you know, it's either yes or no, and that's it. But really, we know that it's an ongoing conversation and process, and even a simple yes or no question can be more of a process. I think we do need to go go and ask a very basic question that sounds like it should be so obvious, but apparently, no, it's not. What is consent? Yes. So consent is getting permission to, to really do anything. Like we think about consent um, a lot related to sex, um, sexual activity, but really consent can be all about really anything you want to do with someone else, whether that's just hang out, play basketball, go to a movie. So consent um, needs to be in, an enthusiastic yes. It's can't, it can't be like, oh, okay, I guess so, or I don't know. It needs to be something that the person really wants to do. It needs to be freely given. The person, um, you can't, or if you're pressuring someone or coercing someone or trying to convince them to do something with you, then the consent has not been freely given. Um, and consent can be revoked at any time. So if you say, yeah, I'll go play basketball with you. And then you get there and you're like, I don't actually really want to be here. You can leave, that's fine. Right, right. yeah. Yes, and um, let's all. Uh, here's a point that I think we would do well to state, mm -hmm. and that is um, overpowering someone's ability to give consent or not granting them the option to give consent uh, actually uh, bridges into exploitation, not not a freely giving consent. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then. Yeah, and when it's related to um, sex or sexual activity, then that can lead to sexual assault, um, sexual right. violence, if you are not exactly. consenting. Yeah. What does consent really mean? When someone consents, what does it mean? They are agreeing to a specific, um, I guess, like task or behavior. Um, right. So it's not like, a, um, I think there's a lot of confusion around consent, especially around um, topics around sexuality and sexual activity. So a couple of things to remember that um, when someone agrees to an activity, they're only agreeing to a specific activity. So if they say like, yep, I would love to make out with you. They're like, yes, sounds great. Let's make out. That doesn't mean that you have consent to do anything other than that. Or um, if someone consents to um, making out or having sex with you um, one time, that does not mean that they are consenting anytime you want to do that. So right. that, that needs to be given, freely given, and anytime um, that activity is happening. Right. Yes, I think that's important to keep in mind. And for many autistics, um, and I know myself, I can be like this, um, you know, that many of us do prefer to be asked before someone reaches out to hold our hand or touches our any place on our body uh, because many of us have sensory processing issues mm -hmm. with where we're touched how we're touched and you know and, and also with regards with you know can i 
can I watch the TV? Can I watch this sometimes? Yes, that can be a matter of consent for a lot of autistics. And quite frankly, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what does consent not mean? Let's sort of talk about that too. Yeah, yep. So consent does not mean that um, you can do whatever you want with someone's body. Um, mm-hmm. Consent does not mean that um, they always have to agree to that same activity. Um, even right. with something as simple as hugging, like we talk about this a lot, there are certain people in your life that you that you hug that are maybe in your hug circle that you're close with, but that does not mean that every time you see them or you're around them that you get to hug them. Um, you need to still ask permission. Uh, and I think this gets tricky with partners, uh, with family members. There's a lot of times boundaries aren't really clear sometimes or maybe your parents, um, maybe they've struggled with boundaries. And so as you've gotten older, like you might struggle with boundaries. And so it gets a little confusing when it's kind of part of your family culture, but that, um, yeah, that consent, um, yeah, cannot involve pressure, cannot involve coercion, cannot involve like large power dynamics. Um, so like you, uh, like your boss, um, for example, tried to kiss you you can't consent in that situation because they have some um, power over you in that situation. Um, Same with like doctors, therapists, anyone that you're like paying to support you. If they, um, you know, ask you to do something sexual, you can't, aren't, aren't actually able to give consent in that situation because of the power dynamics. Right. Um, Sorry, I kind of got lost and just started no, talking no. about a lot of different topics. <laughs> and let's 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 be let's be clear that that you know being forced into a sexual activity by someone of power, there there are there are legal ramifications for that. That is no, that is not okay. No, that is not legal. And n- under no no circumstances should anybody accept that yeah. um, as being okay. And you've already alluded to this next one question I'm going to ask you because I just told you before this interview um, once someone gives their consent for sexual activity or any activity are they free to withdraw at any point in time and among the reasons I asked this question like I said before the interview I explained to you that I heard one individual say that they went to a therapist who actually said once you've given your consent you cannot withdraw it or once you've given your consent to do this one thing, you can't withdraw it for something else. And, you know, the thing is, is that that is so not true at all. Right. Yeah. Please talk about some of that. Yeah. No, consent um, needs to be freely given. So mm-hmm. you are freely giving your consent. You're enthusiastic about what's going to happen next. Um, and you can revoke it at any time for any reason or no reason. Like you just want to stop. Like that is a valid reason. So I think that um, a lot of times people, um, and that can happen, like you can be excited about your new partner or your just regular partners or whoever it is that you're with. Um, And maybe you start kissing and then all of a sudden you're like, I don't actually want to be doing this or I feel uncomfortable. And it could be for any reason. It could be um, for like too much sensory input. It could be, um, it just doesn't feel right to your body. And I think a lot of times we... um, aren't taught to kind of listen to our bodies, which mm-hmm. is really hard, <laughs> but that a lot of times there are feelings that we might feel inside of us, like our, you know, our stomachs might hurt, or we might feel like this doesn't feel yeah. good to me. Yeah. And so being able mm-hmm. to kind of 
say like, Oh, I need to stop. Or even like, I need to take a break. This doesn't feel good in my body right now. Right. And we also need to say that there are some autistic adults that occasionally are not really sure what they're feeling about something because they may not be able to identify it or Mm -hmm. put it. And by any means, if, if any autistic adult is feeling like that, they can always say, can we please stop this for now? And so I can have a chance to, 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 you know, think about what I might be feeling that is perfectly within their rights to do that. And they should never be made to feel ashamed or embarrassed or like they did something wrong if they did something like that. Um, and this is one of those things that I have become very, very um, vocal about saying in many, many, many situations. Um, I think it is very important for autistic adults and whomever they may be sexually active with, that consent needs to be explicit by both people, not implicit. And I say that because of how difficult it can be for some of us to understand consent if it's implied. I say, no, you have to actually, even if it means, may I have your permission to do whatever I'm, whatever. And I I feel that it's very important very, very important for autistic adults to do. What do you think of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think that some people might feel like, oh, is that going to be awkward? Is that going to like ruin the mood? Like, no, like being explicit about like what you want and what your partner wants can be like a very sexy process. And, you know, like understanding what what feels good to someone and what feels good to you is going to create a much like deeper um like emotional connection with the person that you are intimate with i think um something i think maybe we touched on this briefly last time we talked but something that i think is really important to kind of talk out ahead of time is knowing how you give consent and how your partner gives consent because we know um we know some people are nonverbal. we know Mm -hmm. some people have um different ways of communicating and so really being able to talk about that ahead of time with your partner saying like, you know, like, this is how I'm, you know, like, it could be like, I'm going to say yes or no. It could be, um, some people use like safe words that they're more comfortable using. It could be, um, if you have a technology device that you'll need to like program some different, um, things in, um, like voice to text things or, just making sure that before you are sexually intimate with your partner, um, whether that, you know, your partner is autistic or if you're autistic or if you both are or um, whatever, however, um, that you both know how you and your partner give consent is a really yeah. important thing to have figured out. Yeah. After this next commercial break, I will continue my conversation with Leah Bauman-Smith. Stay tuned. Support for today's Autistic Moment comes from Best Care Home Care Agency. Best Care offers PCA choice, homemaking, and 245D services throughout the metro and greater Minnesota. Visit their website, bestcaremn.com, 
to learn more about their services. GT Independence is a national leader in financial management services for self-directed in-home and community-based long-term support. With self-direction, you have the right to live the life you choose, regardless of age or ability, in your own home or community. At GT Independence, our job is to help make self-direction easy. With self-direction, you make all the important choices, like who to hire, when to schedule support, how to manage your care, and even who to fire if things aren't working out. We take care of the administrative details, including Medicaid waivers, new employee paperwork, taxes, and paychecks. Founded in 2004, GT Independence is a disability-owned business that's proud to have assisted more than 25,000 people in receiving self-directed care from the safety of their own homes during the COVID-19 pandemic. By removing the increased risk of group living settings, self-directed care saved lives. To learn more about GT Independence and how to self-direct care in your state, visit www.gtindependence.com. Welcome back to my conversation with Leah. I want to talk just briefly about the Me Too because that's that's kind of a new thing for many. What what is the Me What is the Me Too matter about? Yeah, so the Me Too movement started um, a while back, um, and originally was started um, by a black woman, Mrs. Burke, and she um, came forward about some sexual assault and was encouraging other victims of sexual assault, sexual violence, um, sexual harassment to come forward. Um, and really in an effort to, um, stop normalizing it. I think there was a, there's been a long history of kind of brushing, um, sexual allegations or sexual behaviors under the rug. Um, and then, uh, I feel like kind of after a few years, there's, there's been kind of a big movement, especially around Hollywood. There was a lot of um, actresses and that came forward um, specifically towards like Harvey Weinstein and um, Bill Cosby and um, now Andrew Cuomo um, just resigned as governor of New York. So kind of some bigger names of people. And so the Me Too movement kind of really caught on as like, oh, this is, um, um, this is happening. This is happening to everyone. It's happening to like wealthy actresses you know who make millions of dollars and then are right. also, um and so we know if it's happening to them it's definitely happening to everyone else and probably in much more difficult situations for women of color for people for the poor working class um for people who have less resources to go after people who have done um who have committed um sexual assault or sexual violence towards them and so there's and then you know, along with any movement, there's kind of been a backlash too of people being like, wait, not everyone does this. Um, and I think that the important piece with the Me Too movement is that bringing that voice to survivors of sexual assault and um, sexual violence and that 
that it is that it has happened to a lot of people um, and that there are some like really deep seated societal issues that um, that stems from you know, like wounded masculinity, unsafe growing up conditions, uh, unhealthy boundaries and families like um, education is really everything. <laughs> um, yeah. But we know that that's kind of created this um, lack of sex ed. It's a huge thing. Um, so we've kind of created this part of society where traditionally um, women or feminine, um, femme or feminine people experience it more. But we also know that um, lots of men and masculine identifying people experience sexual assault as well. So yeah. yeah, there's a lot there. But I think the important pieces are that it's we've kind of reached a tipping point of people saying like, this is not okay. We can't right. treat people like this. This is not safe. It's not healthy. There are ways to make amends. There's ways to um, support survivors. There's ways to um, support um, perpetrators in not reoffending and like growing as people. And so I think that it's really just like giving a voice to people to say like, this is not okay. Sexual violence, sexual assault, um, is not okay. Right. I want to start into my uh, the second uh, part of the show question that I asked, and then I have one in particular after that. But um, what are the barriers for autistic adults of all ages when it comes to the matter of consent? And one barrier, one barrier, excuse me, that comes to mind regarding consent is that some autistic adults may not have the ability to verbally ask or give their consent. And from that comes the question of, is the individual competent enough to give or receive consent? And so the question, I think it's a fair one. Can nonverbal autistic adults give their consent competently? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a multi-layered uh, question. I would say like short answer that I believe Yes, <laughs> long answer. Um, there are laws uh, in Minnesota. Minnesota has very antiquated um, laws, consent laws for people with um, disabilities as a whole. Like the language is like very outdated and like offensive and um, really focuses on keeping um, people with disabilities uh, out of romantic or sexual relationships. Um, there, it has been a ton of work around um, advocating for changes in those laws in that, like, yes, we want people who um, maybe have, um, whether it's like communication um, supports or we get a lot of questions about this, like guardianship, like if you are the guardian of someone, um, what is your role in that situation? Um, and ideally, like, I believe that everyone has a right to healthy Sexual, sexual relationships if they want to have them, regardless of um, any other intersection of their life. Right. Uh, you know that that does mean that some people are gonna need support in that area. And so we talk a lot about um, during the guardianship process, there needs to be talking about sexual relationships needs to be a part of that. So the guardian needs to understand like, yes, the person um, has a right to a sexual relationship, here's how you can support them in that. And so, and also educating all caregivers um, 
people who work like group homes, anywhere that you are supporting uh, people that, um, yeah, there needs to be, there needs to be support. There needs to be conversations, um, classes, supports. Um, we've had a number of people um, that we work with who have gotten married or had relationships. Um, and a lot of it was just that their like parents came together and had a lot of conversations with them and they like worked together as a family unit to be like, okay, what's going to work for you, the two of you getting married or the two of you having sex, how can we support you doing that safely? And that is not um, everyone's favorite conversation. If you are oh. a guardian or a parent, you're not always gonna, that's, that's um, takes a lot of work. Um, but I do think that everyone has the right to um, have sex if they want to. And I mean, as long as the person they want to have sex with also wants to have sex. Um, but that they are, yeah. <laughs> but that they are supported in, like, yeah, getting the supports that they need to um, make an informed decision, and that they are consenting in a way that is safe um, for them as well. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of layers to that. There's a lot of layers to that, yeah. But I hear it. I hear that coming up quite often. Uh, mm -hmm. That somebody will ask that question, and they'll presume that because they may be. Uh, nonverbal means they can't consent competently and once again comes the whole um, presumption of competence in there and I just that that's a, a presumption that drives me crazy personally I just think that's a terrible yes mm. um, one matter that really does come up quite a bit and that is that many autistic adults unfortunately have a sex offender allegation to their name because they misunderstood a kind act or gesture to be an invitation for more intimate activity. Um, this is a major barrier to consent. Um, and what can we say here that might be helpful to autistic adults who may have had that issue come up in their life? What are some things that we can say to them or for them, um, that sort of thing? Yeah, I think that um, I've worked with a number of adults, um, autistic adults and adults um, with uh, fetal alcohol um, who have talked a lot about how they wish they would have learned about consent when they were younger, that their lives um, would be really different right now. And um, I just want to validate that, like, yeah, that sucks that you didn't get that education right. younger and that you deserve it. Like you deserve to have the education of how to have a healthy relationship, how to give um, consent, how to ask for consent um, yourself, how to give and ask for consent, how to have a healthy relationship, how to set boundaries, how to respect other people's boundaries. Like those are your rights and you like your rights were not respected. Um, no. So that is really hard in. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, um, no, yeah. I mean, the, the law has clearly, the law and society has clearly not been on their side. Right. And unfortunately, the autistic adults or others with various disabilities like it, I have paid the legal price for someone's lack of, lack of uh, concern about that matter, unfortunately. And the thing is, is I know for, for, for many autistic adults, some, but not all, of course, but 
you know, it is very difficult to, um, to really um, perceive what someone's intentions might be. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of autistics express being lonely. They don't have anybody really in their life. And someone comes along that's really different that shows them this moment of like, they seem like they're really interested and they reach out and they do what they think they should do. And lo and behold, they were wrong. Mm -hmm. And like I say, unfortunately, they wind up with that stain on their name for the rest of their life. No, it is not fair. And quite frankly, it is not right that that happens. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it does way too often. But, you know, um, no, it is not really their fault. Mm -hmm. But and the law has not, the law and society has not served them correctly. We need to be very, I think we need to be very honest about that. Yes. Because oh. I think all too often we're, we're just not, you know, again, the society, the rules, the laws are just not really fair to that matter. No. Um, and, you know, but, you know, but no, it is really not their fault. But, and so sorry that that has happened to so many people. And um, even to those who may have, had an autistic or somebody who has violated your consent in that regard no you're not to blame either right but again this is just one of those places where um where society the laws and and so on has really been a failure i'm afraid yeah well and also oh. we think about like the um like with recidivism like if you do offend once and then you get sent to like a program or something they're not set up to support um, autistic people or um, people with fetal alcohol, there aren't supporting um, that education piece that like, he here are the rules, here yeah. is how I can support you, here's what you can do differently, that they just end up being another place where the person kind of gets stuck in the system. And then, right. then we know that that's really common for reoffending. And so, and again, if you're not getting that education, if you don't know what is, um, what's illegal, what's not illegal, what's safe, what's unsafe, um, what's expected societally, like that's not fair. And I think a lot of it too, is that like, I think that um, I would say that like, I don't feel like the laws really understand consent that well either. And so like, oh. like the people in power don't really understand consent either. So there's all these like very negative ramifications that happen to people, um, autistic people, other people with disabilities, when it's like, yeah, really not their fault. And it's really that like the rest of society doesn't have a good understanding and support system in place. And so they end up kind of bearing the brunt of that failure as a society. Yeah, I, I, I so agree with that. Yeah. Um. What steps should autistic adults and our supporters take to advocate for our needs within this particular subject? And uh, we could probably be here all day on these, but let's just name a few for the benefit of the audience here. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, a couple things. So if you so like if you do have a guardian or if you are a guardian, um, really taking those steps and making sure that there is a place a plan in place for or how to teach consent for making sure that you understand how you give consent. Um, if you are a guardian, how the person that you care for gives consent. Um, 
that there are some really, I think we talked about this in the last one, but um, mm -hmm. awesome or the Autism Society of Minnesota has groups for autistic adults um, to learn about healthy relationships and boundaries and consent. I would like strongly recommend um, attending some of those classes if you can. Um, there are, um, there's a website, so they're actually out of Australia, but called Consentability and they, um, run by um, autistic people talking like specifically about consent and sexual relationships. And I'll send you the link to that after this. Um, but they sure. have some really good resources, videos. Um, mm. And then another um, NCIL, National Council on Independent Living. They have a whole video series for adults um, with uh, intellectual or de developmental disabilities. And they have um, just like really helpful videos that you can watch um, on your own with your partner, um, with a caregiver. And um, those can be like really helpful places to just kind of start that conversation, whether it's um, you are already in a romantic relationship or have um, a sexual partner or partners that you can really sit down and kind of talk about how do you give consent? How do they give consent? Um, have those conversations. Or if you haven't had a sexual relationship yet, but you want to kind of planning ahead and watching some of those videos and having those conversations with a guardian, a trusted friend, a trusted adult. Um, so you feel a little more prepared to do that in a way that feels safe to you. Yeah. If someone has had their right to give or give consent violated, what should they do? Yeah, that's so hard. Um, yeah, it really is. I think that so a few, a few steps. Um, number one, like take a deep breath, make sure that you are calm, that you are, um, and talk to someone, um, talk to a trusted adult. So a therapist, a parent, um, a guardian. Uh, um, if you can, if it's something that happened within your family, so talking to someone, a lot of times we know that sexual assault and abuse comes from our from caregivers and from family and from close friends. So finding someone outside of your family, um, such as, yeah, therapist, doctor, um, you definitely can go to the police. I know that there are, people have different levels of comfort when um, coming, when sharing information with law enforcement and you can decide yeah. what you feel good about, but um, a gynecologist, a doctor, a therapist, anyone that you can report what happened to, and then they can provide additional supports for you. Um, it's really important because it's not something, I think a lot of times when people experience sexual assault or um, violence, there's a lot of shame involved. There can mm -hmm. be a lot of shame involved. And there can just be this like idea that you did something wrong. Right. I wanna say like, you didn't, you didn't do no, anything No, no, you did not do anything wrong. Yeah. No, you did not deserve what happened. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, um, there is this, there may be, I should say, there may be um, something that in us that wants to quote, justify what they did. We may talk ourselves into believing, well, you know, whatever. And the, no, that is not necessarily the case at all. And um, the one thing that everybody should know if they don't, but, but uh, therapists, and people in in schools, uh, educational settings, um, and that sort of thing. If you, you know, especially if someone might not really know if they've been 
uh, violated in that way. Uh, when you know, when when you talk to someone about that issue, if they think that um, you are in danger or you have been violated, they are mandated reporters who are supposed to report that. No matter, it, it's against the law for them not to. Yep. And I know for many therapists, actually, they could lose their licenses if they don't actually report it. So, it is it is it is one of the, the one of those things that simply must be. Um, so you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, if you're not sure that you have been abused or you think you have, but you know, there there are therapists who will listen. And if you say something to one therapist that doesn't sound right, think of talking to someone else for a second opinion. There's nothing. There's no harm in that sort of thing at all. Um, you know, most of your local autism societies or, or um, some other agencies that work with autistic people, they have people there who can advise about things like that. Um, you know, um, you just gave some great resources and one resource that I am going to include mm -hmm. on the adult autism resources links page is to um, the Autism Society of Minnesota, back in August, we talked to Zephyr James about uh, interdependence and they created a relationship guide. Mm -hmm. um, and therefore, and you know, I'm going to be uh, putting that in, onto my website so that people can access it. That has a lot of information about consent, sexuality, dating, and that sort of thing. What's a healthy relationship, what's an abusive relationship, and that sort of thing, a really valuable tool. Um, are there other ways that autistic adults can learn how to give or ask for consent? Um, got any thoughts about that other than what we mentioned? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to like promote myself, but, uh, <laughs> I teach classes about, uh, consent and healthy relationships and boundaries, um, for okay. people of all ages, um, right now online, but, oh. um, yeah, so that's definitely an option. I'm based out of uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul, but um, I'll see, yeah, I'll send you the link for our events and classes that are coming up as Sounds well. Good. After this final commercial break, I will conclude my interview with Leah Bauman-Smith, followed by today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. Stay tuned. If you are the caregiver of someone who is autistic, affected by dementia, cancer, or any other condition, be sure to listen to the podcast Caregiver Chronicles by Sarah and Jeremy Brown. You can find the link to their podcast on the homepage of todaysautisticmoment.com. life be great if everything fell in place? Sometimes our lives need a little rearranging. One of the most challenging times is when we experience a major transition, such as job exploration, moving to a new place, or simply when you are defining your path in life. During these challenging times, individuals can feel like there's a great river between you and where you want to go. 
Looking Forward Life Coaching helps carve a path to the destination that's right for you. Then lay the stepping stones so you can accomplish your goals. Visit us at lookingforwardlc.org for more information. Samuel Woodard will not be able to join me on October 4th as was previously planned. Samuel will join me for another episode in the future. I am so very excited to announce that Yen Perkis will be joining me for Autistic Adults coming out as Autistic and Non-Binary on October 4th. Yen is an outstanding Autistic self-advocate and author from Australia. Don't miss this show. On October 18th, George Williams will join me to talk about autistic adults managing relationships with other autistics. Relationships for autistics are challenging enough, yet relationships with other autistics can be just as challenging. Our neurodiversity is a wonderful and powerful thing. That same neurodiversity can be our greatest struggle. Join me for this exciting episode. On November 1st, Zephyr James returns for Autistic Adults preparing for the sensory unfriendly holidays. The biggest holidays of the year are not too far away. What many neurotypical people do not understand is that the upcoming holiday season can be the worst time for our sensory processing needs. Everything from lights, smells, foods, parties, and even music can be so overwhelming. Join me and Zephyr as we talk about how you can prepare to look after your sensory needs. The last episodes for 2021 are about substance abuse addiction, recovery, and internet safety. I am now accepting topic suggestions and guest offers for the second season of Today's Autistic Moment in 2022. Please send an email to pklowe at todaysautisticmoment.com. Be sure to visit the podcast episodes part of todaysautisticmoment.com as you can go to the new podcast episodes page to read about the descriptions of upcoming shows. Also join Today's Autistic Moment community group page on Facebook. Thank you for listening to Today's Autistic Moment. Welcome back to the conclusion of my talk with Leah Bauman-Smith. My very last question to you, because this actually does come up in my mind. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of um, activity with relationships and sexuality and consent, of course, happening on dating apps and that sort of thing. And um, what are some thoughts you might have about helping autistic adults be very careful about the issue of consent when talking on a dating app. I think that's a, that's a good way to close this up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's so many, yeah. A lot of layers with dating apps too. We could do another whole show on yeah, that one. Right? Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, Ooh, That's true. Um, I do know that there were some 
apps that were created um, dating apps specifically for autistic people and but i don't know the like i don't know how legitimate they were or if autistic people created it or if someone else did so i'm gonna look into that and i will mm. follow up with you on that part of it um i think that consent with dating apps um is a big topic because there is sort of this idea that like if you're on a dating app or if you're online you're sort of like free to do you're like more loose with your inhibitions um you always hear um, about people sending pictures of their you know dick pics or sending pictures of uh their boobs before talking to someone and so i think it's right. really important that um explicit consent is given um when you are on a dating app so it's like it's like very fine to like it's healthy to like meet someone that you're interested in on a dating app and um, text with them but it is really important that you are still practicing all um practicing consent in um your interactions with them even if you haven't met them in person right, you're still right. asking is it okay for me to yeah. setting some boundaries around your communication um online too like do you want to text, you know, a few times a day? Are you someone that wants like lots of communication? Are you someone, mm. that, you know, maybe you just want to text every couple of days and, you know, check in and maybe meet up in person sometime. Um, yeah. but there's a lot of layers to that with, um, with COVID, like what's safe with meeting people. Um, and then also kind of what, um, yeah, just making sure that you are, um, open about what your boundaries are and right. like respecting the other person's boundaries. Right. You know, and I know we've already said this, but I think it's worth saying just before we close this, but um, no matter how obvious consent might, might seem, because we know there are conversations that occur online or even in person where it seems like it's obvious. Mm -hmm. But uh, one more time, let's say, even if you think it's obvious, make sure the, the consent is explicit. You said, yes, they may, or no, they may not. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if you have to be explicit about where and how, you do have the right to say that, or you do have the right to say, no, you may not do that. Mm -hmm. I, you know, um, consent is your right, mm -hmm. and it is your right to give it and rescind it and also, you do have the right to be respected with whatever your decision is. And that's one of those things that, yes, our laws do give us that, the right to have to be able to make those decisions or to rescind those decisions um, in whatever way we feel most safe doing. Leah, I want to thank you so much for this program. And of course, the one we did before this, I really wanted to do some, some good programs about these topics. Um, the topic of dating and relationships, sexuality, and this very important topic of consent um, seems to be something that has um, been challenging for autistic adults. And I, I really want to thank you for coming on to help us talk about this important issue. So thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. Be sure to go to AUSM.org to download the Awesome Education Catalog 2021-2022. Virtual classes for understanding autism and best strategic practices will be offered by the Autism Society Minnesota 
on October 18th at 6 p.m., November 15th at 2 p.m., and December 13th at 6 p.m. Learn the common characteristics of individuals with autism spectrum disorder and sensory processing disorders. Obtain valuable insight on evidence-based practices for supporting individuals across settings. Classes are free of charge. Go to AUSM.org to register. Registration is now open to attend the Autism Direct Support Certification Program January 15th, 22nd, and 29th, 2022. The certification program is perfect for autistic individuals, parents, PCAs, and other professionals. I attended the program a few years back, and it has helped me understand myself and other autistic people that has helped me begin this podcast. I cannot recommend it enough. Register at AUSM.org. On Tuesday, October 19th, from 6 to 7 p.m., will be a virtual skill shop class by Cookable Kitchen. Cookable Kitchen is a new organization to empower people of all abilities to cook. Join them for a step-by-step online class where they will make dinner together and socialize. The skill shop is free, but limited to 20 registrants. Go to ausm.org for more information. Register now at ausm.org for the fourth annual Awesome Puzzle Competition at the Mall of America in person or virtually on November 6th. The Autism Society of Minnesota invites you to fill out a survey about their support groups. Go to ausm.org to take the survey. If you have any questions about today's Autistic Moment, please send an email to p-k-l-o-w-e at todaysautisticmoment.com. Thank you for listening to Today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult.